Have you ever experienced this? I've bought 10 area rugs for us to try in seven different orientations for this living room. Or what are your thoughts on removing this wall to increase the size of our walk-in closets to allow for me to have 700 more novelty t-shirts? If you have, boy, do I have someone who can save you from this tumultuous scenario. It's Carmen Wild, owner of Sea Wild Designs, Inc., a fantastic interior designer who has the superpower of turning your space into the home or office you've always desired. Anything from color consultations for the confident customer, take that special place like your living room with its fab fireplace and comfy furniture and accessories for the better than magazine look. Design that bathroom, kitchen, or whole house renovation and let Carmen take the lead in creating the most fantastic home you've ever had. You know, the one that gets you right in the feels. If you need any help, visit seawilddesigns.com. That's seawild with an E, designs.com. And get in contact with Carmen today. Are you in search for a contractor for your next project? Are you unsure about your plans, needs, and wants for this project? Do you need someone who will get back to you? I can tell you that our goal is to better serve you using proper customer service. Here at Dynamic, we continually improve to make every task and process better for you and your home. In a changing world, find a contractor that maintains a foot in the past for customer relations and a foot in the future to improve your biggest investment. Learn more about Dynamic Innovations for your Dynamic Renovations today at dynamicgeneralcontractingltd.com. You're listening to the Prairie Contractor Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Prairie Contractor Podcast. My name is Kyle Coulomb, your host and the owner of Dynamic General Contracting Limited. How are we doing this week? For those of you around the world, update, Alberta, Canada is moving forward to opening back up. It's going to be exciting to rejoin the rest of you in the near future. We're hopeful that the uh, summer will be excellent and we're going to have as much fun as possible. It's... uh, we're behind and overdue for it. So moving on to this week, I had the pleasure of speaking with another fellow trade business owner. The guest, he's in a different realm than carpentry. I welcomed Sean O'Dwyer of Lead Shot Consulting to the podcast. We had a chance to discuss his journey in the construction trades and how it got him into plumbing and gas fitting, then his own business. There are actually a lot of similar parallels that we experienced in our apprenticeship that should shed some valuable light on those looking to get into the construction industry. Anyways, I will let you listen to the rest of the show. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Sean, how's it going? It's going awesome. How are you, Kyle? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for joining uh, episode 11 of my podcast. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, number 11 is a lucky number. So thank you very much for having me. <laughs> no problem. No problem. So for the listeners, uh, Sean, our Sean O'Dwyer, he's the o- owner of Lead Shot Consulting. And uh, we, we 
pretty much had a chance connection in the grand scheme of things. We met through training in our networking group. And uh, this goes to show how networking can work uh, well for you. You basically, you noticed me in the Zoom meeting and you sent me an email to reach out and we connected. We had a one-to-one and you connected me to a bunch of other great people that you knew and, and now we're, we're working together. Yeah, networking in general. It's, um, it's, it's kind of the way it happens. Yeah, we uh, attended a meeting that you were, uh, that you were a part of and um, such an email introduction. Um, we um, jumped on a Zoom call, got to know each other a little bit, uh, sent you a couple quotes and we're, we are working together now and it's, yeah, it's super exciting. I'm probably going to send you one that's even tighter type frame than the last one. Uh, just it was a project in the works like in 2020 and now it's finally moving forward. So <laughs> it was one of those things like, well, I'll just give you a budget amounts and hopefully we can stick to it and we'll see what happens. But I will be sending you some more some more uh, uh, some more work your way. Um, so I wanted to start off like every one of my podcasts. I want you to uh, tell us more about yourself, uh, your journey from entering the construction industry, entering the trades of plumbing and gas fitting to all the way to owning your own business. So you can start as soon as far back as you like, and, you know, you don't have to start at the beginning of time, but if, let me know. How did you get into your line of your work? What inspired you to, to essentially join the construction industry? Yeah, so when I was 16, that, that's how far back it goes, my, um, I had a good friend, his dad owned a concrete company. Um, it was a, my very first job was a summer project working in the concrete. So he was do, we were doing concrete foundations um, for some schools, some commercial projects. It was, um, it was very helpful because he was able to just, my friend was able to swing by, pick me up. He had his driver's license already. I, I didn't have mine quite yet. So yeah, that was uh, my very first introduction to concrete and to work experience in general was uh, concrete foundations. Did that for a couple of summers and then started doing that um, after I was 18 and did that for a couple of years. Moved around a little bit from a couple of uh, companies, found some more really good, uh, great guys to work with. Um, and then eventually made the shift over to plumbing and gas. Um, one of the guys that I had worked with in the concrete industry uh, gave me a call, asked me if I was looking for work, and told me that he had just got on with a mechanical contractor in uh, in Edmonton. So they were a fairly new company, just starting out. They had a couple of employees. And um, I always knew I wanted to get into the trades. My dad is a sheet metal mechanic. My grandfather was um, a civil engineer. Um, my brother is a heavy duty mechanic. So there's, you know, my, my brother-in-law is an electrician by trade. We got trades all over the family. I always knew I was going to go into the trade. It was just a matter of which one presented yeah. itself first. So the plumbing and the gas, it, um, there was an opportunity there, jumped on it. I loved it. So I stuck it out for the full four years, got my, uh, got my tickets with the same company and, um, yeah, the rest was history. Awesome. That's, uh, Certainly, I, I know speaking from experience when I first my first construction job, I was lucky that like we, the construction companies that uh, that I worked with in northern Alberta, you did everything. So when I did mm -hmm. my first summer, I was still in high school, just like you just turned 16. And uh, we were doing concrete and 
uh, carpentry work, a little bit of commercial. But then when I got like, I decided like this was going to be my career and jumped right, jumped into this company. The first two, three months were like the longest days. It was just concrete work. And by like almost to the end, I was like, if carpentry is just going to be me basically on a, on a shovel, moving concrete and dirt around, like, I don't know if this is going to be for me, but I would say, <laughs> I think I said this in, in one of the podcasts, when you're working in concrete or one of the heavy, heavier trades, if you can, if you can manage that and stick with it, the rest is going to be a breeze, right? <laughs> Yeah. As the new guy, I remember shoveling a lot of sand. I remember hauling a lot of uh, clamps for the, um, for the snap ties. Um, you know, all of the manual labor gets dumped on the new guy, the, um, you know, the green apprentices. So I, I definitely remember the hard work aspect of it. Did you, did you, uh, did you have to haul like the, uh, the Ford plywood like around the job site or did they have a, a picker truck to move kind of the, the big forming systems? No, we didn't use big forming systems. It was all plywood. So it was a lot of two foot gray beams, some four yeah. foot gray beams, six foot, stuff like that. So it was just all, you know, loose plywood, um, clamps, ties, two by fours, whalers, you know, braces and um, stuff like that. And we, we hauled most of it around the site by hand. Every once in a while, there was a bobcat that could drop a lift in the corner for you somewhere. But um, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of heavy lifting. I was, was going to say like, that's, that's a, a definitely an indicator. I remember that what that first summer construction of how green I was because I could barely lift a three quarter inch sheet of form plywood. Someone showed me like how to do it when when you're just not quite strong enough. So at least you could you could lug it around. But after carrying yeah. a few sheets of three quarter inch plywood, it doesn't take long before you start building muscles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that and the rebar, you know, you get those big 20M rebars, 20 feet long, and you get, you know, a couple guys, or one guy on each end, you pick it up, throw it on your shoulder, you build up calluses pretty yeah. quick right in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we've I've done a handful of, of large warehouses um, where we had to, to basically move that kind of rebar into the into the facility tie it all tie the mat together lift it up luckily uh big jobs like that we didn't have to pour because that's uh that's a that's an art in itself to do it efficiently <laughs> yeah one of the nice things about the commercial jobs we were working on is we usually had a pump truck so we didn't have to do a whole lot of wheelbarrows yeah um they always they paid the extra money to bring the pump truck in uh get it done get it done quick because it was usually you know, in between 20 and 30 meters of concrete, depending on how much we were pouring. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. If anyone's interested in, in the concrete industry, it's very rewarding, but it's very hard work. So you gotta pace yourself, but it is. Yeah. We, we could probably talk all night about the concrete, uh, the concrete world, but this is more about That's you not my and, trade. Yeah. This is more about you and what you're currently in. So in the where did it take you portion, you, you attended the technical training, you got your tickets, you did that through yeah. Nate, correct? Yeah, yeah, I went to Nate four years, uh, took, you know, you, you know how the apprenticeship works, you're in, you're on the job 10 months, you go to school for two months out of the year, um, you get a little bit of a government assistance because the company actually lays you off when you go to school, yeah. and um, there's different government programs to sort of give you funding. Um, especially if you're, if you're just an apprentice and you're only making you know, $16 an hour, it's really tough to take two whole months off and go to school. So, um, yeah, so went out to Nate, took all of my technical training there. Even if, uh, even if you were making more money because you're more experienced and going to school, you, it still seemed like you, you spent that 
extra that disposable income and didn't put it, put it away for your te technical training right you you're still holding yeah. out for that hopefully that ei would come in for, you know a couple weeks in not till the very end of your <laughs> your training yeah like like had, i think i had one year that happened to me like mm -hmm. it was like week seven and that's when the ei finally finally kicked in it's like wow fortunately i was smart enough i, I put a lot of money aside because i was like wow who knows? You hear the horror stories of it not kicking in very, very quickly. So, <laughs> yeah, I got pretty lucky. Most of my EI showed up in in week two or three. I didn't have to wait too long for it. But I, yeah. you know, I, I heard stories about it showing up right near the very end of the semester. Yeah. So, well, you get you if you're if you're smart, you learn to get frugal frugal real quick. And uh, again, just to reiterate for the younger listeners. This is actually probably a very positive portion uh, to be an apprentice in the trades in Canada in general. As you, you, like you said, you get the government assistance, you essentially get EI. You do have yep. to pay a certain degree of it back, but you once you get out, you're usually getting a raise from your company. So it's it's not too bad. So, well, you're, you're paying tax anyways. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Are, yeah. The more money you make, the more the government wants to take off your paycheck, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Hopefully at the end of the day, you're left with a little bit more in your pocket. Yeah. And then I did learn in our in our previous uh, chats that uh, you're you're actually a fellow top apprentice like myself. And 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 the yeah. uh, the, the term top apprentice uh, is a is a callback. Well, it's not really a callback because it's only between me and another uh, fellow apprentice who I'm actually going to have on the show later on. But tell us more about I mean, I'm guilty of this. When I was in high school, I didn't try very hard. But when I got into the trades, I was like, wow, this is for me. So I definitely gave her her gave it my all. But there were some other um, other awards that you were you were able to get for being uh, being skilled as a plumber. Yeah, just to touch on, you know, being in school, when I, when I was in high school, being a, a teenager, I didn't really care. I didn't put the efforts in. I didn't get very good grades. Um, going into trade school, something was different. Something clicked. I was there because I wanted to be there. I, I put the extra effort in, um, you know, made sure that I was doing all of my assignments on time. I wasn't leaving things to the last minute. Um, I got very good grades through all of my years. And when I got my tickets in 2015, I was awarded with the WG alexander memorial award which means i had the highest marks the highest graduating marks of any trade in all of alberta for the year 2015 i think there i don't know if this number is correct but it's like 60,000 journeyman tickets that were issued in 2015 so number one out of 60,000 is uh is not too bad i don't think no pretty cool <laughs> no i i didn't even realize it was through all the trades that uh, you could uh uh got that like i think the only thing that was a trickle down from being a top apprentice was uh, i got i was still young enough to be invited to um skills canada so i was able to go to calgary and and go build yeah. a, a cedar pergola and uh Boy, did I learn that there are some people that have been like there multiple times and train and, and uh, <laughs> you know, I actually saw some of my past teachers there. And they said, oh, why didn't you call? I was like, I didn't realize this is my first time coming here. I have no idea how this works. I basically, they gave you a list of how many, what tools you should bring. And uh, basically that's all I followed. And I showed up with my, my coveralls and that was about it. <laughs> and I slapped, yeah. I, I put up this pergola that was uh, already pre-bought. So there was a couple scenarios where like there was a couple of contestants who didn't even get to like 
erecting their their uh their structure basically they all you got was a pile of lumber that you had to assemble yourself <laughs> oh wow yeah. yeah i heard stories about skills canada i was actually too old to attend i wasn't allowed to go um but a, a friend of mine fellow apprentice for the company i was working for did my apprenticeship with he ended up going and it was uh yeah he said it was a lot of fun so oh it's, yeah uh, it's too bad it's too bad i couldn't go Oh, it was a it was it was a lot of fun to to meet other carpenters from uh, all the different uh, um, all the different uh, technical training schools. You know, the Sates, the uh, Lakeland College, Keanu College, Olds College, just just all over the place, just to see like um, just to see how how they uh what skills they learned like i said it's like uh i think it was lakeland is it lakeland no it's not lakeland uh it was one of the colleges i think in vermilion like they they Mm -hmm. even gave their students like like polos to wear while competing my my, really like wow i I didn't talk to anyone from nate because like uh, i went to uh um well at the time when i was going to school nate had a campus in fairview at Fairview mm-hmm. College, which is now part of GPRC, but being four hours, I went. I went to the main campus because, like, that's the only place I could get in. And and once I went the first time, I loved it, so I kept going back. But like, I never stayed in contact with anybody there, so I had no idea. And they said, "Yeah, we would have helped you out. We would have gave you gave you a shirt and all that jazz." It's like if if they had known <laughs> I was coming, I was like, "Wow, I don't know. Like, this is my first time." <laughs> yeah. Where was the Skills Canada held? Uh, so the, uh, the, uh, it was Calgary. So it was, uh, it was in the corral. It wasn't in the, it wasn't in the saddle dome. It was in the, the corral. So it was neat to go out and check, um, all the other, uh, trades. Cause it wasn't just carpentry. There was the heavy duty mechanics. There was the masons, electricians, uh, even, um, even, uh, hairstyling. People don't realize hairstyling is, uh, is a trade. So like to be a barber and stuff like yeah. that. So they had a hand, you know, they had a section where they were doing all that work. Um, uh, cooks, bakers, they're technically all, all, uh, ticketed trades yeah, as well. Chefs, so, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's probably why I excel at it. Cause it's actually a technical, a technical, well i guess it's trade it's a technical industry so like i enjoy cooking because yeah. it's very very specific on how to do certain things and the ingredients and things like that well yeah. i shouldn't say that baking is steps. very specific cooking you can you can make your own changes and usually you know as long as you're not dumping the entire cylinder of salt into the into the pan you're usually you're usually okay but anyway yeah like i said we go into all kinds of crazy tangents <laughs> So you, you, you get your ticket with, uh, with your uh, mechanical contractor, like most, most pre uh, entrepreneur business owners, uh, you work with them for a handful of years and then you decide to start your own business. So I'm just curious. Um, and the only reason I asked, because when we, I find we have a lot of parallels in our journey as, as tradespeople. like there was definitely uh, I think a catalyst into starting your own business. So I want to learn a little bit more about that. If that's okay about your decision yeah, absolutely. To, to go off on your own, essentially. Yeah. When I was an apprentice, I was, I was, I was very happy with the company that I was working for. I had an excellent boss. I had really good coworkers. 
we um, we had a lot of fun. We we did we did extracurricular activities. Uh, the company had barbecues and stuff. We went out and did paintball. So I was perfectly happy to just be a plumber working for somebody. I never went out, got into the trades, and thought I want to own my own company. I want to be a business owner. Um, after I got my tickets, I moved into a management role. I was the chief of operations. So anything from you know starting the projects up going to the weekly meetings with the owners, dealing with the general contractors, inspectors from the city. Um, it's a pretty big position. Engineer, <laughs> yeah, engineers. Yeah, there was, there, there was a lot of responsibility. Um, I, was, I was very green at it because I had just got my tickets. I was, uh, you know, learning on the fly. And, um, and it's not that that was a bad thing. It was, it was more trial by fire, uh, sink or swim, and... Um, I gained a lot of really good experience from that learning a lot of the back end on what goes into running a company, not just being a journeyman and being on the tools. Um, I was involved with um, progress billing, uh, you know, so invoicing customers every month, yeah. uh, setting out schedules for the guys dealing with the equipment uh, procurement, uh, the shop drawing process, you know, getting shop drawings reviewed and approved. Um, and then the company didn't really have any systems in place for purchasing um, for, you know, how to go about actually buying pipe and fittings. So that was something that we sort of worked through as, as a growing company uh, that I had a lot of involvement in. And uh, we was, you know, training other guys in the office to sort of creating that, that system and sort of following through with it. So I say all that to say this, the experience that I got in, in that management role was, uh, was critical uh, for me being able, being, feeling comfortable enough to start my own business. Um, the, um, they did have a little bit of trouble collecting some money from customers. They, there was a general downturn in the economy being on salary. I found myself with more work, um, less pay, more stress. And then after a while, I just, I, it, I thought it wasn't worth it anymore. So I had a, I had a difficult conversation with my boss. Um, we didn't, I didn't burn any bridges. I, I still talk to him every once in a while. He's, I, I still consider him a very good friend, but we decided it was, it was a good time for me to, uh, to sort of step back, step away. And, um, so I came home, told my wife that we were, uh, that I was going to start my own company, see how it went. Yeah. And, uh, so that was, that was two years ago in February. Um, and then the only thing that I didn't have any, um, practical experience with was business development. My boss was always really good at going out, getting those projects. He had those, those relationships with people. He, he, he always got the work. And then once he had the job, he handed it over to me and I just took it from there. So yeah. actually doing the jobs, doing the work is the easy part. The, the hard part for me is going out, finding those, um, those, you know, those customers, developing those relationships, the business development, networking. I, I, I knew what it was. I had no idea how to do it. So that's, you know, that, that ties into how we met. Um, finally deciding that I had to actually do something and, and, and learn how to network and, you know, get into uh into that kind of that sphere of things so and I struggled with it all by myself for a year and a half and it, it just wasn't going very good so I knew I had to do something and then that's oh, when I yeah for sure I mean uh it's it's either either you you have to develop it as you start your business or you've developed it uh, as an employee, I mean, I think that's the two scenarios. Either you're you're taking taking your con your Rolodex from the previous company and 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 tell uh, you know selling yourself why you're going to be better than that previous company, or like 
um, yourself or myself, I mean, we had to basically start from scratch, which is very daunting. Um, you start, yeah. you start really small, you start with the people, you know, and then you realize like, I don't really know that many people. So who, who should I start talking <laughs> to? Right. <laughs> I don't know enough yeah, people and, to keep my business running anyways. Yeah. And, and that, that's the only, those are the only jobs that I was able to get in the first year. Uh, it was people that I knew people that I had worked with in the past, just, you know, like you say, going through the Rolodex, phoning up the um, the site supervisors that I had worked for in the past, and just letting them know that I was, you know, started my own company and that I was, uh, you know, looking for work. So, and then, you know, got some smaller projects that way, got a little bit of commercial work. Um, that is where I, where I like to focus, but, um, you know, we, we have been doing a fair bit of residential over the past year, uh, year and a bit too. So, yeah. you know, paying the bills, doing, doing what you have to. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, we're, we're going to be six years into it. And I think we're just finally getting to a spot where like, we only have to do what we have to do some of the time, not all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm, I'm forecasting another, another six before we get to the, the, like, now we can just pick the really fun ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There um, you go. A, a question I wanted to ask before we move to move to anything else was, how long were you in that management position with that previous company? I'm just curious. Yeah. So got my ticket in 2015, started my own company in 2019. So I would have been in that role for about four years. It's kind of the, like I said, the same parallel as myself. Um, basically like right out of fourth year, got my ticket. I mean, uh, it wasn't even like, it wasn't even like one day back and they said, well, we're, we're sticking you and, and educating you on being a superintendent so here's a project yeah. that's pretty much half started figure it out get it rolling get it get it finished and then we'll you'll pick it up as you go so <laughs> yeah yeah like you say you know trial by fire just sink or swim <laughs> oh yeah and uh you know now that you think i'm sure when you think about it it's like that's that's definitely a far a lot of faith put into a person um, so mm-hmm. greens, you know, just got their ticket. And then, uh, I mean, like you said, just trying to learn and make sure you don't make, make mistakes. I, I can't say that I, I would be comfortable doing that right now, but I think it's probably has, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's systems in place to a degree to make sure like you don't sink the entire ship, right? Maybe, maybe a compartment takes on some water, but once you close the bulkheads, <laughs> yeah pump it out it's usually not too bad right (laughs) exactly and i I probably wasn't aware of a lot of those bulkheads that were in place you know there to protect the company there to protect me the only thing that i saw was what i was dealing with and 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 thinking that i was you know not necessarily all by myself my my boss was always there if i had questions and he would always you know sort of talk through things with me but ultimately it was it was on me to to get the job done and there was that sort of um, self-reliance that i kind of built up you know learning that i you know relying on myself if you say if something needs to be done you know and and that's maybe not always a good thing you know part of being a a leader is being uh, you know being able to delegate properly and i think that's something that i wish i would have uh, done better with was you know delegating some of those other tasks and getting you know downloading some of that stuff getting a little bit more of that stress off my shoulders and off my plates i definitely had enough guys we had 38 plumbers and yeah. gas fitters and sheet metal mechanics at, at one point so you know that's um that's, that's probably something that i regret it's it's well it's just the communication portion of it right i mean the fact that you can look back and say i i i messed up on that like i even how my scenario probably wasn't probably a fair bit more 
the bridge was burnt somewhat not not completely burned down but you know mm-hmm. enough where it's like it's maybe uh not not completely passable but when yeah. you look at it at, at that it's like <sighs> It's it's basically it's a personal thing. It's just a characteristic. That's probably the only thing. Like I have loads of patience, but for some reason, like when it comes to learning, like that's maybe something impatient. That was the deciding factor because I wanted to learn more about the project management side, and you got thrown right yeah. into the deep end. Like you became like the yeah. chief operations <laughs> officer. It's just like that's that's huge. I mean, like you're the one making yeah. the calls of who's doing what, what they're doing, how they're doing it. Um, like you said, you're involved in the in budgeting and figuring out, uh, uh, you know supplies and making sure that stays efficient because the call back yeah. to our um call back to i think the episode with scott king it's being a you know you want to be allergic to waste essentially right like if you yeah. if it makes you sick to your stomach it's uh you gotta you gotta do better and avoid that that food yeah exactly <laughs> that's awesome now so you've mentioned like uh, in your experience, you're looking at, uh, uh, you've done a lot of commercial, you're currently doing uh, residential, which I, I'm pretty much the same boat. I'm still working mainly in the residential, uh, but I'm building those comp, those uh, contacts in the commercial. Like we've got, and I should actually reach out. It's been a little bit, a little while, but you know, people who own commercial spaces, like they're always, you know, they're always looking for those contractors that are going to call you at four o'clock on a, on a, on a Friday to deal with their issues. Right. And usually if you, yeah. if you do one, they keep calling you and, and they don't care what the bill is because it gets, it gets going. But um, yeah. Are you, would you say you're more of a, of, on the service side of plumbing or are you more on the construction side of plumbing? I would say it's more on the construction side. Yeah, new installs. Um, I do have a fair bit of experience with the service side. Um, During my apprenticeship, the first four years, it was very much focused on the residential market. So residential renovations, you know, bathrooms, kitchens, um, basement developments, new home construction, custom homes. Um, And then after I got my tickets and as I moved into the management role, um, the company as a whole made a shift and just started focusing more on commercial um, so new car washes, we worked on a number cool. of Jiffy Lubes. Um, we did some commercial kitchens, um, some restaurants, not really the Tim Hortons or the McDonald's kind of thing, but, um, more like the custom, um, like, actual, yeah, like... yeah. Custom, smaller mom and pop stuff. We did a yeah. couple of dental clinics and, and things like that. A couple of, uh, day home, not necessarily day homes, but like after school care, child yeah. care facilities, things like that. Are, uh, dentists fairly, uh, I was I always hear that they're kind of on the difficult side because that chair that you have to install also has to connect it to a whack load <laughs> of electrical and, and I'm sure water for uh for the uh the, the, the water pick and the the washing yeah. washing thing. So I'm sure that's probably tricky because you're probably fighting for space with the electrician and whoever else, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The dental offices are um they're, they're very particular. You have to be very careful with your rough ins. Uh they actually uh, so the good ones, they actually have one-to-one printouts of the chair of the footprint. They lay it down on the ground and there's, you know, like a four by four box. And they say your water line, your air line, your vacuum line all have to come up inside of this four by four box. If you're outside of that, then you're going to mess somebody else up. And the electrician, he's got his little box over there. And, you know, it's, they're, they're very tight tolerances for yeah. sure. I didn't even, I totally forgot about the, the air and the, the vacuum and that would, that would fall under your, your scope as well. Right. 
because it's like gas fitting um not necessarily gas fitting gas fitting we do all with black iron pipe but the vacuum yeah. lines they're typically run in like a pvc schedule 40 it, it, it's the white pressure stuff yeah and then the um the vacuum lines we actually just run it with uh with half inch pex a lot of the time too sometimes they'll specify it has to be done with copper but copper is a lot more expensive to you know as you know to buy <laughs> and, going up and now <laughs> it, it, exactly it, it, it's almost as, as expensive as lumber now oh man it's I am dreading because I have some projects like it really wouldn't have mattered whenever I've, I've estimated it, but I guess it's, it's better than I'm getting the price together closer to execution date. Cause then I don't have to worry about too many price jumps, but uh, I, I guess yeah. that would be a question related to the business side. Like, how are you, how are you finding like the material prices? Do you find it's, it's, it's hampering or uh, weighing on customers' decisions on either doing their project or doing their project a, a certain way. I I don't find that they're that, that it's hampering them from deciding to actually go ahead with the project, but I do get a lot of pushback uh, just due to the actual price. I mean, ABS pipe has gone up thirty percent since January of this year alone. Um, you know, PVC pipes have gone yeah. up almost 40% over the same, uh, over the same time frame. So customers are still deciding to go ahead with their projects. They're just not happy about the prices that they're, that they're being given. Yeah. Um, ABS pipe right now is, is very difficult to find in Edmonton. I have to go to three different suppliers and sort of piece orders together, get fittings from one guy, get pipe from the other one and get glue from the, from the next guy. So ABS is really hard to find. PVC is, is, is not quite as bad. It's not quite as common. There's a, uh, there's a ton of, um, you know, builders in Edmonton that use ABS in the residential yeah. markets, but um, there's, there's, there's a little bit more supply for the PVCs right now, but it's same thing. I have to sort of piece it together from three different suppliers. It almost doesn't matter what their price is. It's do you have stock? Yeah. If you have stock, I'm going to come buy it. Oh yeah. That's uh, that was me uh, a week ago. Just trying to put the, put my repair package together. And uh, at that point, once I was finding out, it's like, okay, I've got to go to three different stores to get everything. It's like, well, I guess I'm buying more, more than I need. Cause it's, it's stuff that you typically use, right? Cause you just don't know when, when you're going to be able to get some of that material again, like I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to slowly come in, but are you, yeah. is that since it's uh it's basically all oil products, is that related to the uh, ice storm in Texas? And uh, you know, I've heard they have a high demand currently because of all the burst pipes and whatnot, and the plants are shut down. Is that related to that? I actually don't think it is. A lot of the PVC pipes are manufactured right here in Edmonton. IPEX has their huge manufacturing plant right. right on 50th Street. So I don't know if it's just a matter of the raw products that they're not getting. Um, I don't exactly know where the bottleneck is, um, but I, I don't think it's related to the ice storm in Texas. I read someone's post and they were saying that was uh, it's partially like the transportation costs of the raw materials is one item. I know yeah. um, my brother-in-law, he's in, uh, he's a civil engineer and he works for a civil company. He says uh, they're, uh, they're having a hard time finding sewer pipes or like mm -hmm. civil piping, you know, whether it's sewer or water mains and stuff like that. Um, he was yeah. saying the contractor was probably going to try and put a, um, a notice for a change in price <laughs> for that because uh, he was asking... Because I've I've read the uh, the CCDC documents front to back, and I suggest like if you can avoid it, don't read it because it's difficult. It is very very dry. <laughs> I read it and yeah. and and that's basically he's he asked like, 
is there any recourse like that's basically his only recourse if that's your you're using that document he can put in a claim for a change in price and basically it just goes to you know you as the uh consultant can say yes or no or the the other stakeholders or it could go to the other term in the contract which is um negotiation mediation or arbitration <laughs> which yeah, yeah. you don't want to go to the arbitration side if you can avoid it i mean most people are pretty pretty reasonable uh, i guess but uh i'm yeah. pretty sure if you work in the public sector i think having your lawyer on speed dial is a normal thing when uh shit hits the fan <laughs> yeah no kidding um so i guess the next the next question i had is after deciding to start your your own business what what would be the advice Actually, let's actually go back just a little bit further because I wanted to ask the question for our potential tradies. Uh, what bit of advice would you give someone who's thinking of going into the trades? Oh, advice. I, I would say get in young. Um, I think that the opportunities are definitely there. If, you, uh, if you're in high school, um, you know, they, have, they offer the RAP program. Yep. Uh, where you can, you know, you can go to work, you can get some experience, you, you can get some of those hours that you need towards your apprenticeship. It definitely fast tracks the amount of time we actually have to spend in technical training. So yeah. if you're thinking about doing it, I, I say get in young. Um, and definitely. Credits. And, and credits, you get yeah. credits towards your high school. It's kind of a win-win situation there. Um, so when you get out of high school, you'd be eligible for a higher uh, wage with whoever you get hired on with. Um, I don't think it really matters which trade you get into. I think nope. there's the, tr the trades have been kind of left behind a little bit. There's a lot of people that want to get into, um, you know, other, other areas where, you know, maybe they're not working with their hands so much. And it, it just feels like people have kind of exactly. forgotten about the trades. Um, you know, back in the eighties, there was a lot of, my dad tells me stories about how there was a lot of guys that were, um, that were getting into the trades, but it, there's a bit of a lull. And for some reason, it's just sort of fallen off people's radar. So um, there's definitely going to be a shortage in the trades. Um, I think, you know, there already is just really there already is right. Yeah. Just, just the wages by itself are, are going to be, are, are going to go up. Um, and it's definitely um, a worthwhile way of, of making yeah. a living. You know, there's nothing wrong with getting your hands dirty a little bit and you don't have to, you know, be in the trenches all the time. Um, you know, after you put your time in, you get your ticket, you can move yeah. into some sort of a management role and, and you can put all those skills to, to good use. So no, oh, I, uh, I always recommend people getting into yeah. the trades. Absolutely. Well, there's very technical, like they're all really technical. Some far more like uh, I would say probably the, I would probably say the least technical and not, and uh, maybe some of my other trades friends might get angry at me, but definitely like if you're on like the <laughs> finish side, like uh, it's, I would say you're definitely working with your hands and you're working with uh, specific materials. But I mean, if you can, if you can read and follow directions, uh, you're probably okay. I mean, a lot of yeah. painting um, I'm trying to think, and there's really, is there any specific codes for like in the finished side of things? If you really want to think about it, like the plumbing, the electrical, ah. the carpentry, like we have a lot of, of uh, building code, 
that all comes stems from the international building code that we have to follow and and uh, yeah, uh, not leverage, but we have to interpret and and use correctly in whatever area of the country that you're you're working with. So it can be at times a very technical system. You can be using spreadsheets. You can be building jigs. You can be using really specific tools if you're doing like electrical work or plumbing work, like. The tools that yep. they've come out, like especially, and we were talking about this before, like Milwaukee has come out with some some wicked plumbing specific oh, tools that made your super, life super super so specific, super super focused on one <laughs> trade. You know, very specific tools that do one thing very very well, and that's it. You know, it's not going to be of any use to anybody else, right? Yeah. Well, that's the. Uh, I think that every trade has talked about which which uh, company owns which, right? Uh, it's Milwaukee yeah. <laughs> Rigid. And Ryobi are kind of under the one company, and then it's uh, I think is it uh, Crafts? Is it Craft? No, it's uh, maybe just no, it's not Craftsman. It'd be Dewalt, Black and Decker, and then there's one other one other company that falls under that. And then uh, when Sears yeah. Sears folded, people were wondering what what the heck was going to happen to Craftsman, but it seems like they're they're bouncing back okay. Like they're definitely like I would say a starter line of uh, tools and whatnot. So there is a lot to be learned. I mean, even, uh, even in the uh, communication side of things, I don't, I don't know if that's technically a trade, but I mean, you go to school for two years, how to, how to essentially wield fiber optic at this point. Yeah. C- cable is pretty antiquated. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's like you said, that wall there the, of hiring. Like I remember when I was going to school, they were very, very uh, trade. They encourage a trade. And I don't know if it's just because of the area I was in and the, you know, <laughs> the, the grades mm-hmm. probably weren't that high, but <laughs> yeah, like you said, it's, uh, it was just something that was really encouraged and to, to benefit, I guess, your, your potential. Yeah, it's almost like for a little while, getting a trade, being a blue collar was almost like a second class. It's like people thought that there was something wrong with it. And uh, that's definitely not the case. We're a secret. We're a secret society. We're we're like the Freemasons or uh, whatever. We're we're lurking in the background, controlling things now, right? I mean, uh, (laughs) yeah. for carpenters and I guess plumbers, like our, our raw resource of wood and plastics now is super expensive. So everyone assumes that uh, we're, we're to blame, but it's like, no, we're just, we're just trying to make a living and set some money aside for retirement and education. Like <laughs> we're, yeah. we're not really making any of that, uh, that much more money. You know, we're just trying to keep the economy moving and keep projects moving. Right. Yeah. Just paying the bills. <laughs> now, Going from the trade aspect and going to the business side of it, if you if you if someone asks you who's thinking of starting their own construction business, what would be a you know it can be one or you could have if you've got multiple pieces of advice, what would you tell them if they say I want to start a business? What should I do first, or what should I prepare for? Oh boy, that's um. <laughs> That's Always really a loaded one. question. Um, it, is, it, it is a loaded question. I mean, I I look back at the experience that I got after I moved into a management role. All of the all of the technical training that went into getting my ticket didn't necessarily help me run my business. I mean, it was important for getting the jobs done, but that it had almost nothing to do with running the business and you know keeping keeping the the train on the track. So yeah. as far as advice, I would say 
invest in personal development. You know, um, I, I really wish I would have taken some sort of business course. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't even really know what kind of business course it would have been, but just getting some extra training, project management, um, you know, budgeting, being able to read a financial statement of some kind, just, I think it, it's super important to, uh, to know where your money is coming from and where it's going. Yeah. Um, when I started my company, I, I was doing all of my own books. I was doing all of the data entry. Um, it's not something I would recommend for a very long time, <laughs> but um, cause there's definitely things that you would, you would rather be focusing on as far as building the, the business, but just having a, being, having a really good, um, you know, finger on the pulse of, yeah. of how the company is doing, where the money's coming from, where it's going is, uh, is very important. So I, th- I think it was a good exercise, but um, you know, like streamline, guys, streamline the, the information essentially, uh, like, like I said, yeah. like know what, where, where it's coming from, where it's going. Like if we can streamline yeah. that, uh, if, if not, I guess you should say if not enough money is coming in, then that's what you need to focus. And maybe that, like they like said, maybe it's time to pass that off to a bookkeeper to, to put yeah. all that information together. Cause I know like, I even, even now, like I spend probably, two hours a week doing the book like expense entry and invoicing. And sometimes it just feels like it's too dang much. Like I should be working on other things. Right. Yep. So if you can streamline things and being creative too, uh, this was part of the reason why I decided to uh, start a podcast because I was terrible at social media, like being consistent with social media. And I felt like I could deliver more by, the spoken word essentially and talking with other people and sharing that information because the, yeah. the prairies and i think i touched on this on one of the podcasts like the prairies always feels so much more alienated than the to the rest of canada and i don't know why why it's that um yeah I, but uh we definitely have a lot to prove in our own realm so that's why maybe you i don't Maybe that's why we are a, a little more rough around the edges because we we grow up in wheat fields. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's awesome. Now uh, let's chat. Uh, actually, this was the note I was going to mention, um, and uh, I've never done much research into it. There was always someone in my company that was concerned about the getting their gold seal and the information that I always got from the gold seal is it didn't actually necessarily benefit the person. It was actually the person and the company that would benefit from having the gold seal. But I also learned about the blue seal. So it's another seal that you can as a trade people where it's supposedly to have, you know, teach you more the business side of it. So that's something I never looked into and, 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 Perhaps that's something to encourage potential people is like, look into that, look into the blue seal, see what it has to offer. I don't know if you ever looked yeah. into it. It's funny you mentioned that. I actually did look that up about two weeks ago. Um, that's, that's actually a very good idea. The, the blue seal, there, there's a number of ways you can get it. You basically have to attend a certain number of hours at yeah. an accredited college in Alberta. Um, you go, you take some courses. They, they, they can be whatever courses you want. So they can be, um, you know, any, any kind of business course, almost um, project management, a um, bunch of different areas where you can sort of dive in, you, you, yeah. you can get some more of that experience. And then once you have those hours, you can take it to, um, to the governing body. I'm actually not even sure which one that it would be probably um, not AIT, maybe they're the same guys that issue the ticket. So maybe they issue the yeah. blue seal too, 
But um, yeah, you take those hours and you get the extra stamp on your ticket. And I, I would definitely recommend that if you haven't had, like to somebody who's just starting their company, if you haven't been in the management role and you haven't got some of that behind the scenes experience and exposure, that's probably the best place to start is to where you can get some of that exposure. You know, you're going to have to pay for it. Even before you like, can get it. Even if you, before you decide to start your, your business, that's, that's what I would recommend is like, look into, yes. look into the, yeah. the, those kinds of training. Um, are you familiar? You must be familiar with the ECA. Um, I mean, they have a whack load of courses too. I've actually taken a handful of courses more on like the technical side of like software and stuff like that, but they're actually yep. a, a really good resource too. Cause again, like the ECA, yeah, it's a nonprofit business, but their, their goal is to try and ensure like the construction industry in Edmonton succeeds, which is yeah. probably fairly critical. I did read one headline, yeah. which was fairly encouraging. It was, um, uh, I believe his name, his last name is Peterson, I believe. And he wants to run for uh, MP for Edmonton. And and his big thing is like, he wants to encourage people. If you're like around 25, stick it or stick it, stick it out or in the Edmonton, Alberta region, because uh, yeah, maybe oil's kind of uh, lagging right now, but he figures like, we'll probably see $80 a barrel soon um with our shift to uh different energy sources like with uh hydrogen yeah. solar and all that all that he figures like uh we're gonna see some some boom time as well i think the whole world's gonna see a certain degree of boom time if we can get just everybody on board it's like yeah you know mm -hmm. oil and gas is now the horse and buggy like we we've gotta we've gotta we're gonna make this shift eventually we're gonna figure it out that's not gonna be overnight i mean the model t yeah. itself was probably like when they started manufacturing that the 19 1914 in the 1900s and i'm pretty sure like they had motorized vehicles in the 1800s that were very inefficient it just everything takes yeah. time <laughs> right? yeah it does yeah it's funny you mentioned that article somebody actually sent it to me this afternoon and i i read the headline and i thought oh well that's uh that's encouraging you know yeah. stick it out in edmonton but um yeah, it's um, I, I didn't read the whole article. I'll have to go back and do that. Basically, he said like uh, at the beginning, he said he if you're if you're around in your 20s, he he wants to encourage that generation um, to plant roots here. I know like I look back and uh, it's still to be determined if it was still to be determined if it was a good move. But like I moved from the Peace River region to come to Edmonton. And uh, so yeah. far, like I, I'm fairly positive, like all the things I've learned here, I would not have had an opportunity to learn in not, well, maybe in the town of Peace River, Grand Prairie, but definitely not in the, the rural regions. It's unfortunate, but I mean, it's just, it's just the way things are. <laughs> yeah. Now uh, we're getting close to the, the closing time. So I want to try and fit a couple more things in if possible. Oh man, time uh, flies. Oh yeah. Like, uh, people don't see this cause we're, we're, we're doing this over zoom, but it's, it's getting pretty dark out. Uh, luckily I don't, I don't <laughs> post the, 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 uh, the video, the video portion anyway. So don't worry about it. Don't be self-conscious. Um, but what is a misconception of, uh, of your industry now? I'm going to just start with this one. I might steal your fire, but I mean, you know, <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Always, 
we would always throw this around out. It's like, oh, it's easy to be a plumber. You know, payday's on Friday and then shit falls downhill, right? But I mean, that's... <laughs> word for word for word. That's that's the main <laughs> misconception. Everybody thinks it's easy. Everything, you know, crap runs downhill and payday's on Friday. That's all you need to know to be a plumber. Well, it's not It's not quite that easy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I, I do think that the bar is set a little bit, little bit too low in Alberta, that, you know, to get your ticket. I, I, I look at a couple of guys that I know in the industry and i just say man how did you get your ticket i mean they must be really good at you know on the books or something like that but just in you know in practice they're just not very good journeymen they're not very no. good plumbers and that's it's a little bit unfortunate i i do think that the plumbers have a bit of a bad name because of some of those guys um they you know we we sort of all get tarred with the same brush and i think that all or most plumbers are just you know kind of dumb and stupid so I think that's, a, I think, a, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to steal the one I was going to say, then I, I'd have to say it's that people think that plumbers <laughs> are not very smart. Well, and I wouldn't be surprised when you see those pictures of terrible plumbing jobs and stuff like that. Yeah. They're usually not related to a plumber. Even, even a bad plumber, I think gets most things like, you know, they'll get it at least 75% right. When you see those pictures of poor plumbing jobs, it's a either yeah. done by someone outside of the trade or the homeowner. <laughs> I, I, I really hope that's the case. I yeah. Really oh yeah, for sure. Case. Like there's, I mean, that's why a lot of things I won't touch. I'll connect a, a sink for myself or taps or stuff like that. But as for like running pipes or doing like anything grade work or anything like that, I'm not going to touch yeah. because I don't know, you know, is this elbow, is this why legal, you know, what could be the potential? I mean, I try my best to, to make sure like if I cut a pipe, I'm cleaning off all the burrs. But now I think I've learned that you guys actually even have special um for bevel tools yeah we have a special tools bevels on the end of the pipe yeah Yeah. it's great like it's those are things too like people think like you said like in my comment we think the job is really easy but it's really easy to screw up at the end of the day any trade really if you have don't have the experience you can make a big mess um yeah i would definitely say like in comparison between plumbing and carpentry i think plumbing you're probably going to have far bigger problems. Um, uh, you know, whether you have like backups or uh, burst pipes or well, not burst pipes, burst connections, if they're done improperly, whereas like carpentry, like it's going to look like crap. I mean, you know, it might fall over, might be, I guess the worst case scenario, but I mean, yep. wastewater and mold and water going everywhere, I think is a, is far, far worse than uh, the other thing I was mentioning, right? Yeah, the consequences of making a mistake when you're a plumber are, are probably a little bit higher. Water has a way of finding its, you know, finding its way into nooks and crannies and doing a ton of damage. So um, I, I actually have bad dreams about, you know, water mains breaking and you know flooding somebody's house or something like that so um yeah there's definitely a lot of uh you know risk associated with that and it's i you, touch one thing that's ha- like pretty much foolproof and i lose sleep over sleep it yeah yeah it's exactly like, tighten this valve it's like okay i'll tighten this valve yeah it seems tight and it's yeah. like oh i sure hope it doesn't leak yeah <laughs> and i won't Small sleep for two days if I could throw a small plug in for the plumbing trade, um, a lot of people probably don't know this, but when you go to school to become a plumber, you're actually automatically enrolled to become a gas fitter as well. So they're two very separate trades. There's very separate training when you go to school, but 
all journeymen in Alberta, when you become a journeyman plumber, you're also a journeyman gas fitter, class B. Small difference between class A and class B, but being dual ticketed is also um, something really cool, I think. So being able is to it, work with gas lines. Is it easy to explain uh, the difference between class A and class B? Yes, 400,000 BTUs. 400, That's the 000. only difference. Yeah, 400,000 <laughs> BTUs. Your, your standard furnace is going to be anywhere from 60 to 100,000 BTUs. Yeah. So fairly small. Um, some of the residential boilers are maybe 200,000 BTUs. So it, it basically means we're allowed to run gas lines, hook up to uh, appliances that are on the smaller end. Okay. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of commercial boilers that'll get up into like one, two, three million BTUs each. So those are the ones where you have to have a class A gas fitter come in and actually uh, commission and do the startup. As a class B, we're allowed to run the gas lines. We're allowed to install them. We're allowed to test them. We can even make the final connections. We just can't flip the switch and turn the unit on. Okay. Um, when you start, when you start dealing with a lot of those bigger appliances, you have different lighting procedures. You have different ways of, uh, you know, evacuating the pipes and making sure that there's no oxygen in them. Sometimes you have to pre-purge with nitrogen. It gets all very complicated when they're when they're huge appliances. Yeah, yeah, because because on, on like on some commercial boilers, you might you might have the pilot that's like five hundred thousand BTU. That, that's just the pilot <laughs> is five hundred thousand BTUs, and then when it fires up, it's twelve million BTUs, right? So you're dealing with that amount of volume and the gas in in the actual pipes. The pipes are way bigger. And the risk of having an explosion inside of the pipes drastically increases. So it's all around safety, right? So, so if you're risk, if you're uh, risk adverse or good at handling managing risk, then having your class A pipe fitting tickets probably for you. Yeah, I actually really want to go back to Nate and get my class A because I'm already a class B gas fitter. I only have to go back for one more year. Uh, two more months in school, and then I would be uh, I'd be able to get my class A. If you want to become a class A gas fitter and you have no experience, it's it's a four year course, same as becoming a journeyman plumber. Yeah. You go to school for four years, you get out, you got one ticket, and it's your class A gas. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, and when we say year, it's technical training or on the jobs training, then two months of technical training, correct? Yes. Yeah. One year is is twelve months in total. 10 yeah. months on the job, two months in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, I So we're just about at the end of it. So let's let's end with something fun here. So yeah. tell me, what are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you watching these days? Like, or what are you doing? What What is catching your attention right now that's outside the business or uh, trades world right now? Like, what 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 are you infatuated with? You know, it's funny you mentioned Scott King. I actually recently uh, enrolled in uh, in one of his hub classes and it's going to be starting up in the next couple of weeks here. Um, so I'm, I'm going to get the chance to work with Clayton um, nice. quite closely. It's um, I forget how many weeks it is, but there's uh, we're, we're, we're going to take a really deep dive. We're about four weeks into a book. We're going to have weekly uh, meetings where we're going to sort of check in, discuss with each other what we're what we're learning. And, and this is all on the personal development side. It's all about, uh, you know, bettering yourself and, um, you know, learning how to run your business. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with the, the trade side of things. Right. Yeah. So uh, I'm su super excited to, um, awesome. to start that here. Um, yeah. We're going to read three different books, I think over the next couple of months here. And um, that's, that's really exciting. Uh, I, I do, I do, I, yeah. The leadership hub. That's the one. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going through that right now. And my only, 
my my only drawback is that i said yes and like like two two weeks before the busy season like well we started two weeks before like the busy season so it's definitely been a struggle to try and stay on top of the reading my only advice yeah. right now is just so you can stay on top of everything you may want to yeah. invest in the short term in audible just have someone else read it to you while you're driving because i've i've literally had no time to read any of the chapters so i'm, I'm technically behind so the next book we're reading, yeah. I think I'm just going to do over Audible and I'm just going to try my best to remember what what I heard and try and relay it to that. Because I don't even know if I'll be have time to fire it into their Trello board. Like we're supposed to admit, take notes and stuff like that. So that's interesting. Yeah. I think that was another connection I, I a connection I sent to you, to Scott King. Yeah, so uh, like yeah, said, yeah, that was. That's networking awesome. and connecting. So it uh, works, man last last thing is like what's the best way to get in touch with you or learn more about you or uh i mean websites social media anything you want to plug like this is the time to do it yeah we're um our company has um has a facebook page um i have my own personal facebook page there i'm on linkedin linkedin is probably the best place to sort of uh get a little bit more information about my history nice. on my uh you know my past work experience if you just you know you look up sean o'dwyer and LinkedIn, that's probably the best way. If people want to get a hold of me, um, my number, they can they can call or text. Um, yeah. Can I give it out now? 780-777-7120 um, or my email, um, seanodwyer at outlook.com. Awesome. And it'll be in the show notes as well. So uh, people don't have to scramble for, for uh, a pen and paper. So um, other than that, um, thank you so much, sean for joining me on my uh, on my podcast number 11 hopefully uh, hopefully we'll hit 22 in the future uh i'm hoping yeah. to do a round table with uh uh kind of like a handful of trades or something like that so uh, i'm sure you'll be on again at some point in the future but uh, again thank you so much for for coming on yeah no thank you i had a i had a really good time like i say Thanks. number 11 is my lucky number so that's awesome. And I, I definitely <laughs> look forward to being a part of some, some sort of round, uh, round table. <laughs> awesome. Well, have a good night. You too. Take care. There you have it. Thanks again, Sean, for coming on. If you wish to get in touch with Sean, please see the show notes to visit his social media and website. Well, that's it for this episode. Make sure you rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We've had some downloads in the U.S. and Australia so far, hence the reference to international listeners. So far, you can listen to this podcast on our website. That's dynamicgeneralcontractingltd.com, Podbean under the Prairie Contractor Podcast, and Google or Apple Podcasts. Have a great week, and we will see you later. You're listening to a dynamic, innovative podcast.